Welcome aboard the BK Escape Pod. That's right, it's the augmented and bionic podcast version of the live show. You can hear Saturdays from 10 a.m. till 12 p.m. Eastern on 100.3 FM and AM 1450 WBHF Radio. You can stream the show live there Saturdays at WBHFradio.org or on the free TuneIn app. Look out, here we go. Oh, and by the way, if you hear me give out a telephone number, don't call because this is a rebroadcast and our janitor Charlie will answer the phone and believe me, you don't want to talk to him. He's an honorary little cuss. And no sailwind and bushwhacking, horn swoggling, crocker crocker is going to roll away Mr. cutter. Now, who can argue with that? Rub it. Stand by to receive our transmission. Yeah, that's right. It's another Saturday. It's time for me, for me, BK on the air here on AM 1450 and 100.3 FM WBHF. It's the place where I come in and dispense some geeky retro talk and make you dust off those things in the back of your mind and bring them back to the front to where you go, oh yeah, I forgot that was back in the attic with cobwebs on it. I remember that show. I remember that song. I remember that incident that happened that i want to try to forget again but thanks for bringing it back up to remind me somebody said that the other day she goes you were talking about uh mood rings on facebook and i completely forgot about mood rings and i appreciate you uh bringing that up and making you remember that i'm like well you're welcome Just tune in every saturday you can hear i it think live. that's the joy of the <clears throat> show is the shared connected memories that we realize we actually all do have. There's a lot yeah. of similarities when we go back and go, oh, wait a minute, I remember <clears throat> that. You you watched that too? Or, <laughs> and we grew up in different areas. I mean, yeah. I, I have these conversations with my friends in the UK. I'm like, you watched that show? Like For some reason, you're, I thought it was only here. thousands of miles away from me. Right. Really? Or, or you had the same experience with that movie? <clears throat> or you? It's It was that kind of a formative experience for you? I yeah. guess I guess maybe as human beings we do share some things in common. This lady was from Canada sending me a message about the mood green and she also was talking about uh she says, Do you remember the, the, the goofy little bird things that people would buy that had the red liquid in the bottom of the glass thing mm-hmm. and it would tip over and act like it was drinking water it would just go back up and down mm-hmm. and up and down. I'm like, Yeah, I, I remember that too and I was researching that again and I'm like Wow, we really didn't have the internet back then. We had to be fascinated by other things. <laughs> this little bird that would go whoop, up and yeah, down. Yeah, for me, that's, that'll always be on the bridge of the the Nostromo in the background, just kind of doing alien. Its thing. Yeah, that's in right. Alien. It's back there. Yeah, just doing its little thing where it would just get a little heavier, a <laughs> little heavier <laughs> until it so hit weird. the water and then came up. And today I'm thinking, how long could I watch that before I'm bored and want to watch Netflix? Same amount of time <laughs> that I was watching uh, lava lamps. Was right. Like, I'm just. I wasted an hour watching globs of wax. (laughs) Blob around back and forth and up and down. Or, like I said in my last show, uh, streaming, uh, going through all the menu items on uh, streaming. Yeah. Deciding that my last hour of watching TV was really watching previews. That's all I did. One thing after another after another. Do I want to watch this? No. Do I want to watch this? No. Do I want to watch this? No. Just, I hate that. I get so overwhelmed, I walked away. You know how you got to do? Here's what you got to do. Here's what I did. I changed the name of what I was doing. If you if you look at what you did as research, it makes you feel better. <laughs> what are you What are you doing in there? I'm researching what I'm going to watch next. I'm researching. <laughs> that 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 word just sounds more prestigious and 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 uh, more of a nicer way of putting it. It's not. It's instead of like I'm just surfing around, wasting time, figuring yes. out what to watch next. Yeah, I'm I should probably have gone to it with a different attitude because I was like. <laughs> 
all right, I've, I've got the house to myself. Yep. I got the dogs taken care of. I've got all my work done. I've got all the all my chores inside. I, I, I'm basically just I could play on my computer. I could watch something. Well, you know what? I haven't binged anything. I haven't looked for what's new, or maybe what's old that I've missed. Dude, that was the mistake. <laughs> the mistake was assuming I would instantly start find something and go right to it. That was my my error in judgment. Right. My expectations were completely right. wrong. Right. You're well, right. I've done the same thing, so if it makes you feel any better. I should have said to myself, I've got an hour to kill. Let's just go browse menus for the next hour. No, I was like, let's go watch something. And then at the end of an hour, I'm like, I haven't watched anything. You're doing research. <laughs> it's research. Yeah, but you know what? Please I bet, look I bet I'm not the only one who's research. done that. I'm sure a lot no, of people. No, I've done it. I've do, I do it too much. Falling down the rabbit hole. And I've got to, st- well... I don't say I've got to stop, but I, I need maybe to stop watching dog videos on YouTube because, <laughs> but you guess what? I'm not going to stop. <laughs> I say that and I'm like, I saw some great ones this week where I'm like, one was just titled Examples of Dogs Loving Us. And I just watch these videos. And I'm like, I can't, some of these dogs, just what they do is amazing. They come up and stick their head under your chin where you're sitting on the couch and just snuggle with you. And, and uh, it's a sign of trust when your dog actually falls asleep like in between you and someone else on your couch at night or near you Mm because that means they trust you they're going to sleep with you because you're the pack you know or or if they or if they sleep on their back with all their belly exposed or whatever that's a very vulnerable vulnerable position for animals you know they don't Mm -hmm. always do that so things that dog do that uh somebody told me once that we don't deserve dogs we don't (laughs) they're just uh and my grandma bless her heart grandmother on my uh on my dad's side told me once she goes you know dog is God spelled backwards? Correct. I'm like, well, yeah, what do you mean? She's like, well, they love you unconditionally. And she just started spouting <laughs> off these similarities. I'm like, well, that's a nice, beautiful way to put it. <laughs> it really dog, is. Almost all, unless you just are really a piece of filth. Your dog. <laughs> worm-ridden filth. <laughs> yeah, your dog will always forgive you. Your dog will always be there for you. Yeah. Yes. And by the way, earlier this morning, you were talking with Valerie Holt on your foods talk segment and you talked about sweet and salty foods and stuff like that but you guys a little bit you delved also also into a little bit of uh spices spicy foods hot mm-hmm. sauces and stuff and i do i have i have the same problem well i agree with you on the same thing you talked about how you like spicy sauces hot sauces but you do want to have taste buds left over on your tongue you don't want them to be burned off by a hot sauce that's so hot that you can't enjoy it that's or, true that's what i like or only taste the hot sauce right. I've, I've never yeah. understood that like you've got all these flavors and textures of food and all i right. taste is the so- then that's a problem that's a problem it that's is a problem too, too and much. i've got some cousins that were sitting around at a wedding once and they had this they had this sauce i don't know what it was called it was something called like butt burn sauce or something <laughs> like that and it was in this tiny little tiny little glass jar and they're like you only handle one drop at a time you want to try some and like an idiot with a bunch of guys i'm like oh yeah i'll try a drop so i tried a drop of it put it on my tongue it was terrible i mean it was like it's almost like well did you when i wasn't looking did you just put a hot poker on my tongue is that what happened out of a fire just now or what happened you know so i like hot sauces to, to, to accent the flavor and be flavorful i'm like you i always said your hot sauce should be like your significant other it should always tantalize your taste buds. <laughs> should always be spicy, and should never hurt. 
Never heard. That's the that's the three uh, requirements. That what's the meatloaf song in his passing? Two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For you, that's two out of three. Two out of three ain't bad. I'm not going to ask which one. <laughs> Play along at home. Hit. Play the board game uh, at home. Yeah, speaking <laughs> of that, you know, uh, meatloaf passed away. We we lost some celebrities. We lost. We might get into it a little bit more later. Meatloaf passed away. Uh, Bob Saget uh, passed away, and. Um, Louis Anderson. Louis Anderson passed away. So we had like, there's of three. Of the three, though, Meatloaf was the big one. No pun intended. In more ways than one, yeah. And he but was an actor, sometimes actor, too. But he has a lot of acting credits if you go check it out. So if you want to talk about that, you can do that today. Call in. We'll let you know. Maybe I'll remember later. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to hear from the Golden Age of TV with Pat McCormick, uh, our friend and confidant from the West Coast, who uh, lets us know about the... Uh, the golden rage of television. Look back in time into television shows of the past. It's began on the air. Frank's red hot. I put that on everything. And now it's time for Reflections with Brother Gold. And now, a composition by Styx. Give me a job. Give me security. Give me a chance to survive. I'm just a person in the unemployment line, but I got the power and I got the will. I'm not a charity case. I say long nights be just what I am. Make me an offer that I can't refuse. This is my last time in the unemployment line. Thursday on Hawaii 5 It's my daughter. Kidnapping. Your father's right. Is it a kidnapping or a runaway? Then on Barnaby Jones, is JR's friend a murderer? I didn't mean to kill her. All right, get in, JR. Hawaii 5 then Barnaby Jones, Thursday at 9, 8 Central and Mountain. Tomorrow on CBS. Greetings, fellow classic TV fans. Today, it's Hawaii 5 by the numbers. So, what do the numbers 5 in Hawaii 5 refer to? The 50th state, of course. And here's some other interesting numerical facts associated with this classic show. It ran a total of 12 seasons from 1968 to 1980, making it one of the longest-running police dramas ever. Before becoming McGarrett, Jack Lord was Gene Roddenberry's first choice to play Captain Kirk. He was actually the fourth consideration for Hawaii 5 which almost went to Gregory Peck. Only five days after his audition, Jack was in Hawaii in front of the cameras as Steve McGarrett and then appeared in all 279 episodes. The groundbreaking opening sequence was listed as number four in TV Guide's top 10 best openings ever. The show was nominated for 22 Emmys with four wins, two of which went home with the theme composer, Morton Stevens. And finally, The Ventures 1969 album, Hawaii 5 made it to number five in the top 100 Billboard charts. Now that that's what I call hanging 10. I had to throw that in there. For BK on the Air, this is Pat McCormick with the Golden Rage of TV. By the way, Hawaii 5 does, to me, have one of the best theme songs and title sequences of, every, of any show. You can like a title sequence of a show and not like the show. I mean, people <laughs> are like, oh, I didn't ever like Gilligan's Island, but that song is like iconically catchy. Yeah. It is. And Hawaii 5 when you listen to the theme and, and the, uh, the, the the ventures, the, the rock group from the 60s that, re- that re-recorded their own version of it, it was a great show. And not too long ago, 
I think I've got the last two seasons to go on Hawaii Five O for the past year. It's one of those shows where I'm just kind of going back and watching it when I want and catch up with it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I am because I didn't watch it in the in the seventies as a kid. It was just one of those shows I wasn't interested in. I, I watched it come on because there's the title sequence. I'm like, oh yeah, the, the the flashy edits and the and the thing and the music. But then after the title sequence is over, I turn the channel. But now over the past year plus one plus year, I have been watching Hawaii Five O and really getting into it and and noticing what everyone else knew all along about what a great, well written. Mm-hmm violent it's cop, cop show. show that it was. I mean, it was you very, how crazy very this well is? written and well done. You know, this is where that three or four years difference between us, when I was a kid and I would see that, I would think, oh, it's a surfing show. <laughs> well, I'm not interested in so. surfing, <laughs> so <laughs> I will move along. Move I along. knew the opening, <laughs> and you're right. The music was great. Great The song, little yeah. coming up with Inside the Curl of the Wave, yep. Hawaii 5 the title like, flies out and at I'm you. Like, ah, and then it would show people and walking in suits, but I'm like, but it started off with the surf wave, right. and I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't care to watch surfing shows. Little Alan's like, I'm not hanging 10, so I'm just going to move on. I can't even hang one, so I'm not going <laughs> to hang 10. No, I, I, um, yeah. I'm kind of mad at myself, but at the same time, I don't know that I would have understood it at the age yeah. it was on TV. Watching it now, and again, I didn't watch it, but now watching it as an adult, I'm like, yeah, this show is... And people are like, oh, it's so hokey. It's got the 70s clothes. I'm like, if, and I'm telling people this. I get the same message to people who are watching episodic television like The Mandalorian or uh, or WandaVision or even uh, The Book of Boba Fett, where they're complaining that, oh, it's too slow. It's, 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 it's I can't wait for the... You know, I, I don't like the way it's done. It's the same complaint I get from people come up to me and go, I can't watch that show because of the 70s clothes. And, and you watch it and you're like, oh, everything would be solved in the show if they just used a cell phone. I'm like, well, you know, that there was a time <laughs> where clothes looked like that and there were no cell phones. You know, some cops and government people had cell phones in their cars, but they weren't prevalent then. Get in the mindset of, of getting out of your time right now and put yourself in the time period where you're watching it if you can't do that then you're not going to be able to enjoy it i can't help i can't help you right and, and it annoys me is that okay that that annoys me it, it, i i agree don't with complain you on about that. it i mean it's just to me stupid. the word hokey means something different because something is dated doesn't make it hokey no it I mean, doesn't I, I i love jaws one of the greatest movies ever made right i realize we only get a sense of how old it was during the sequence when everybody's deboarding the ferry that doesn't ruin right. the and movie. The yeah, and that's it. Calls it only calls to attention. Oh, this was a 1975 movie, right? But if that's you're it. if you're watching a it film, ruin the and movie. that's all that screams out at you. You don't need to be watching movies at all because if that's if that's kind of what you're looking at. If we went based why? on this idea of what makes for a good cop show, I would never watch a Sherlock Holmes episode. No, because that's way back before. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's that's why did he pick up the phone? Uh, Stupid to think that way. But there are people that think that way. Why did he take a carriage instead of drive to the cart to the scene? Uh, I don't know because it wasn't in that time frame. <laughs> you think there are people that go? I can't watch black and white films. I, I, I can't I watch a black and white TV show. I can't watch black and white stuff. I can't watch it. I'm like, why? Why does that hinder your old. enjoyment? Why does that? It <laughs> well, just looks yeah, so old. but yeah. But, did you get rid of all your black and white photos of your family? This is something <laughs> that I think like, every generation terrible. recognizes as we get older. The current generation or the younger generation doesn't understand that the life began before them right. and will continue after them. It only in their minds exists now. So therefore, if it came out before me, it's not worth watching, experiencing, yeah. or reading about. And that's it until they get older, and then some of them never lose that. Some of them always care 
only about their generation. That's it. They have no context. As we get right. older, we realize, oh, wait, there were things that happened before us. So do you, are you saying there were kids like that when we were young? Maybe yeah. they were, but I think there are maybe more few and far between, or I just didn't meet any. Because even as a child, I learned to enjoy black and white television shows, older music or whatnot. I, I didn't I didn't complain no, and about that. I don't think that, we yeah. were as bad, but I will we tell weren't. you as a Gen Xer, I didn't have a sense of how many 80s songs were covers of 60s songs. Right, sometimes there were a happen. lot of yeah. hits, and then now that happens today. My girls will be like, "Oh, have you heard this song about uh, uh, rains in Africa?" I'm like, "Yeah, the, <laughs> by by Toto." No, I'm like, "Well, then who are you talking yeah. about?" I was like, "Oh, it's a cover." Like, <clears throat> like, what do you mean it's a cover? And you have to explain what a cover song means because they don't even explain that anymore. There's this really cool piece of music that they dance to in uh, in. Um what, what is it? Uma Thurman dances to? It's like it's a really cool piece of music. Oh, it's uh, it's actually from, uh, uh, it, that's the name of the song. It's like uh, Uma Thurman. It's movie? actually okay. a song by. Um, it's not Fat Boy Slim, but it's a newer but song. Basically, it's not where they 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 sample the saxophone from from the Munsters from the Munsters <laughs> and use it in the Uma Thurman and song. Kids think that's really cool, and you're like, that's the themes to the Munsters from the '60s. Yeah, it's a TV show. Which I understand. Rob Zombie is making a new remake movie of. By the way, have you heard about that? He's where he's almost finished with it, I think, with the Munsters movie. Is it, uh, is he making it a it's comedy? In black and white. I'm not sure. I think he is. Because knowing not Rob sure. Zombie, I'm like, is he going to turn Munsters into what he wanted the I Munsters to be? I don't know, <laughs> and I'm going to make a lot of people mad. But I'm not a big fan of his music or his remakes of films. You know, and everybody's like, well, his Halloween was great. I'm like, okay, but I just I saw some of it and I didn't really care for it. So. Yeah, a little. There, there's a there's a little example of us being a little nostalgic and geeky there about some stuff, only because of how old we are. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> it's like someone came up to me the other day and like, I saw this great goofy cartoon and I thought it was fantastic. It's called Ren and Stimpy. It's about a little Chihuahua dog and a cat, and it's so funny. And I'm like, you've just discovered that. Well, that's nice. I'm glad that you discovered it. It's been out for a while. I saw it back when it was first on, but it's okay. Sometimes the kids will come up to us and tell us about something like we've never heard of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess maybe I did it as a kid with my mom and dad. You Probably. Know? So, I'm sure we <laughs> did. Some things, I so. guarantee I thought, oh, hey, what I discovered. I discovered this new singer called Elvis. He has just one name. They're like, yeah, we've been familiar with him for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I, I um, try to remind myself of this so I don't Ugh. turn into that person who's like, everything outside of my generation sucks. Yeah. I don't want to be. There are things about this. There are things about artists today. There are some artists I like. There are some music I still yeah. like. I don't think it's as good as when I grew right. up, but I'm not dismissing it either. We try to do that, but we slip sometimes. I know I slip. I, there's something comforting about just going to my Alexa and say, "Hey, just play hits of the '80s," and just and I know I'm going to like every song. <laughs> there is something about that, but right. I also try. I try to. Really I try hard really hard to. I do. It's it's easier with movies and TV. Right. I can say, okay. Oh, there's well, some great newer movies we like. I don't yeah, know this great. actress, but she did a really good job. And oh, then yeah. you find out, oh, this. It's, I think it's a more approachable than music, probably. I guess. Uh, uh, I, I saw I saw a great uh, interview with Hall and Oates, Daryl Hall and John Oates about. Uh, when MTV first started, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we got in right on the ground floor of that." You know, we thought it was we should really get into that because a lot of artists shunned that and didn't get into it. They're like, "No, we're about the audio. We're about the music. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be on MTV. This is a fad. It's going to go away. It's ridiculous. Why don't I want people to see me singing, lip syncing the song when I'm not even singing it?" Those artists found out later. Okay, well, we need to be on MTV because it'll help our career. We'll be we get buried into the in the crowd. But but Hall and Oates said. 
it still is audio. He goes, I'm more, I'm all about the audio of a, of a song. But when I, but he, they're like, when we did our videos on MTV, to me they were they were clownish and comedic. We just made up goofy and funny, mm-hmm. no matter what the song was. We just kind of just we're we're, let, we're not we're, we're not really singing this. We're lip syncing it. So we're gonna. That's why some of those early music videos were goofy looking and really had no point to them because it was just he says it's a visual thing only it just needs to be visual yeah you know uh, you, you can pick out the really great ones by aha take on me uh michael jackson's thriller those had great production quality about them but but the the music videos it was so new that no one knew what to do with it and then finally they found out how to do it and whatnot right. and now mtv just doesn't play any music anymore yeah i forgot the name of the guy time. but one of the podcasts uh, episodes i listened to uh, last summer was a guy who was an artistic director for many music videos in the MTV era. And he basically said the same thing. He goes, we were making it up as we went. Nobody had an idea what these were. He goes, but what we did discover is the people who realized they looked good on camera could become hits regardless of their music. There were some people that became famous, not because they were the talented people, but they were pretty. (laughs) And you had the ones that were... Take ZZ Top, for example. They had uh, something that you expected. Their music videos were, oh, that I know what to look for in a ZZ Top video, and I'm going to well, get it every time. Thankfully, there were groups <laughs> like that that realized we can make the music videos a brand, and right. people would then want to go buy our and albums because of the branding. It was great. So, uh, wow, I don't know if I got, got off on music videos and stuff it's like that. You. That's how the uh, that's how the conversation goes here at BK on the Air. Uh, we're going to take a break. Because and Stimpy. Yeah, is that what it was? <laughs> I have no idea why we started. It started off that. with Hawaii Five O. That's going what back. it was, yeah. About the clothes <laughs> and the and the cars and the no cell phones. We're going to take a break now, but when we come back, we're going to hear from. Uh, we're going to flash the audience. You'll hear from us. We come yeah, back from us. the news, the weird, the strange, and the bizarre. A Christmas movie is getting a sequel that I thought would never get one with the original actor in it. We'll talk about that. And uh, a big monster is coming to Apple TV in his own television series, and a copyright dispute with Disney. Has, uh, has been settled that has to do with the Predator movies, believe it or not. I didn't even know that that was going on. All that and uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Got a story about that from the MCU and uh, your calls, too. Come out. Turn it on. Leave it on. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. What? I want my MTV. I want my MTV. I Twenty-four hours a day. In stereo. Yes, music. 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 That's good. And there's real fruit filling inside, plus a tasty pastry crust. Hey, that's good, Milton. And six vitamins and iron. Well, now, that's very good. You see? For snacks or as part of a good breakfast, it's good to know there's a lot of good inside Kellogg's Pop-Tarts. I can't eat! You're listening to BK on the Air. Now back to a guy who put me through a lot of pain in childbirth. I'm his mother. I should know. But I love him anyway. It's BK on the air. I had nothing to do with that. Pain that came with giving birth to me had nothing to do with me. I didn't do it on purpose. All I did was show up. 
Right. So why is it? Why I do moms do that? My mom tells people all the time. Still, I'm 51 years old. He put me in the hospital for 10 days. <laughs> I had no say so. I can't help but they let me cook too long, and my head was too big, and they needed to use like four, you know a forklift right. to get in there. I don't know. Or that's or, not my fault. I could be with this great girl who come come over when I was a teenager, and I want to I was going to go out with her, going to go see a movie, and mom just out of the blue she goes. Why don't you tell her about that uh, big growth on your leg that you had removed when you were 10 years old? It was terrible. We had to take you to the doctor. I'm like, why would I want to tell her about that? <laughs> no. Well, it was a fun night. It Bye. Was, yeah, it's like, <laughs> I wanted to go out with you, but now I'm just going to go out with Biff instead. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't, I don't even want to talk about it now. I don't know. Let's get off of no. this. This is time we slash the audience. <laughs> The weird, the strange, the bizarre. Me having that removed my, from my leg could have been a flash to the audience story. From UPI, I got the first news. What was it? <laughs> I'll tell curious. you when I go to a commercial. Okay. you got to finish it, your coffee, though, because you'll what, probably regurgitate it. Was it, it when spongy you or was it hard? No, it's not. I don't want to talk <laughs> I'm like Stewart on Mad TV. I don't want to say. Mm. I don't want to say. From UPI, the Missouri State Highway Patrol is reassuring the public that Batman villain the Joker is not on the loose after a staff member sent an emergency alert message to mobile devices. Missouri residents received alert from the Highway Patrol Tuesday warning citizens of Gotham City to be on the lookout for a purple and green 1978 Dodge 3700 GT with license plate number UKIDME. You kid me. A description that matches the vehicle used by Jack Nicholson as the Joker in the 1989 film Batman by Tim Burton. The law enforcement agency explained in a Twitter post that the clown Prince of Crime is not on the loose in Missouri, which does not have a place, and and there's no place called Gotham City. Quote, this was meant to be a test message. There was no alert, unquote, the Highway Patrol tweeted. The agency said the message was meant to be a routine test of Missouri's blue alert system. I like it. Never rub another man's rhubarb. <laughs> Better than remember that mistaken uh, emergency thing that came out a couple years ago in Hawaii where they said incoming nuclear bombs. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was that, terrible. That, that's that that's the one that caused a little bit and of panic. several people were taking that seriously. Unlike the tsunami warning that California got last week, which was real, and that volcano went off in the middle of the ocean and blew, uh, blew things skyward and a tsunami. <laughs> yeah. In fact, not too far from Pat McCormick, the Golden Rays of TV, our buddy, uh, Santa Cruz or somewhere had flood. They had some flooding on the West Coast due to that. It wasn't a catastrophe, but a catastrophe. <laughs> yeah, but it was. Thank goodness it wasn't that bad. So sometimes the warnings are real. They were able to escape the catastrophe. That's right. There's total chouse everywhere. <laughs> yep. On that, I've got the next news. I hope I can put the right emphasis on the right syllable as I move forward. I have no idea what you said. A teenager participating in a Florida competition broke his own Guinness World Record for fastest time to solve a rotating puzzle cube Here's another one while blindfolded. Guinness World Records confirmed that Tommy Cherry solved a 3x3x3 cube in 14.67 seconds at the World Cubing Association's Florida Fall 2021 competition in December. Blindfolded. No. Why are they calling it a three by three by three cube? Is it because they could get sued by Rubik's well, for calling yeah, it a Rubik's cube? I think that's cube? the thing because yeah, it has three three on each side. So I they guess, can't yeah. call it the fastest Rubik's cube. Now know. they got to call other it a ones, three by other, three by three puzzle. Other news 
flashes have said Rubik. So. Well, we're in 2022 now. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You can't <laughs> say Jackie Gleason on Facebook. <laughs> I uh, found that out. He apparently shaved six seconds off of his record. He goes, quote, I still see room for... Okay. First of all, he solved it in 14.67 seconds. Blindfolded. I still see room for improvement, so I want to try continuing <laughs> to set records in 3 by 3 by 3 blindfolded, he said. Although I still have quite a sizable way to go, I eventually want to try for the world record for solving the 4x4x4 cube blindfolded, as well as the 5x5x5. I can't even handle the 3x3x3 with my eyes open and days. I read those and I just go, and I'm uh, fascinated and angry by it at the same time. I got the next news. A British service dog charity said officials were shocked when a German shepherd, we're dog lovers, so this is an interesting story. A German shepherd gave birth to a litter of 16 puppies. The guide, Instant family. The Guide Dogs National Center near Leamington Spa, England, I bet our friends at 60 Minutes With would know where this is, said the 16 puppy litter is about twice the average number of the breed. The charity said the puppies born to a German Shepherd mother and a Golden Retriever father, oh, I bet they're cute. Oh. I bet they're cute. Will spend time in volunteer foster homes and will be trained as guide dogs. You know, have you jobs. Know, you know where one can fit? Right on my chest. <laughs> yep. Right now. Yeah. Well, Just they'll have two right less because I'm going to take one as well. Oh. <laughs> that is so cute. The Guide Dogs National Center said a, the litter is the largest seen in the 60-year history of the charity's breeding program. Guinness World Record lists the largest litter in history as uh, 24 puppies born in Cam- uh, Cambridgeshire, England in 2004. That's a so lot that's of puppies. Lo- Man, I, I mean, that would be <laughs> Two really, dozen kids. That'd be great, but I'm like, what am I going to do? I mean, I'm going to love them. I know that much, but I would have to have find homes for several of them so yes it, it does it does create some extra effort finding it does homes. because puppies present a whole they new... have to go as sets you have to take two yeah <laughs> make these, it easier this brother and sister likes to stick together right yeah i've got the next news our dog was well out of the puppy stage when we adopted her i mean she was almost a year old so she was getting out of that which was perfect uh drivers on a tennessee highway encountered an unusual oversized load traveling down the road a 14,360-pound cast-iron skillet said to be the world's what? largest. That could make a lot of steak and eggs. That'd be like for Paul Bunyan. <laughs> Remember the story of Paul Bunyan and, that he had and, a skillet and, so large? And the blue ox. Yeah, and the, that they would have to tie bricks of butter on their feet and skate across the, the pan just to, to yeah. butter it up. What was the blue ox's name? Babe. Babe. Babe the Babe blue ox. The blue yeah, ox. That's right. Uh, according to the South Pittsburgh Lodge Cast Iron Store, the future home of the Lodge Cast Iron Museum, had the gargantuan skillet, which measures 18 feet from handle to handle, created to serve as its, as to draw attention to the attraction. The store shared video on Facebook showing the massive pan, which Lodge Cast Iron bills as the world's largest cast iron skillet, being hauled on I-5 on I-59 on the back of a flatbed truck. The Cast Iron Museum. Or excuse me, the Lodge Cast Iron Museum is under construction and expected to open in late summer. Wow. Can I tell you, I have been slowly changing every bit of my cookware over to Lodge Cast Iron Cookware. Everyone, sh- everyone should. And we, we've had, we have one pan 
in our house where we, we can do that. And you know what? It's a it's a cast iron skillet my mom gave me when I moved That's out. That's the best. It's an old one. And, and it's just like, I've got an extra one. I want to give it to you because you're moving out to your own apartment. And then we're still using it. It's the, it's not it's not a giant one and it's not a tiny one. It's just that right. It makes a perfect like pan of cornbread. It makes that it just can, can make two nice steaks on the on the on the on the mm. stovetop if we need to do that. I'm so, so happy yeah. I've discovered cast iron. I love cooking with cast iron now. And you never you never you, you don't you don't put them in the dishwasher. You don't no, wash them you vigorously. You don't use soap on them. You don't do, yeah, you don't do that. And people no. are like, "Really?" I'm like, "No, you don't. That's just nope. not how you do that." No, not, not unless you it's, want it to be like sticking for What's everything. it called? It's called it's called it's being cured. It's yeah, a cured you to, pan. You have to literally cure it if it's not pre-cured. You have to take time seasoning your right. pan or your your cookware, but then if you do it right, oh, never go well, back. I and a, you get a workout. Right. I got a friend that's got a cured <laughs> coffee pot. And I've never heard anybody do this. He, he makes coffee in his coffee maker. It's a coffee pot. It's one of the older coffee makers that has still the glass mm-hmm. pot. And he goes, no, don't wash that pot. It's it's it, I don't wash it. I'm like, okay. And I had coffee out of it. It tasted great. But he just said that he's never vigorously washed that like a cast iron pan. He doesn't vigorously wash his coffee huh. pot. He washes his that. coffee maker. He, he washes the, he yeah. cleans the other part. I've come up on that. Oh, okay. Because I've always You're washed. a big coffee maker. I didn't know whether you heard of that. Or not. I had not. But I'm willing to learn. Yeah, I'm thinking about putting some bacon in that cast iron pan now. Oh. Speak <laughs> on there. Now, of course, getting hungry again. We will return after these messages. I'm starved. Got any pizza in the freezer? We make fresh pizza. That's complicated. Not anymore. We use pizza in a skillet from Chef Boyardee. You really make it fresh in a skillet? Sure. Everything comes in the box. And you make it on top of the stove in just 15 minutes. Just spread the dough, then add the sauce and shredded cheese. Making it fresh makes it delicious. Mmm, delicious. And so fast. Pizza in a skillet from Chef Boyardee. Cook delicious homemade pizza in just 15 minutes. Hey, Spidey, isn't Marvel's new Pizzazz magazine fantastic? Fantastic, but not perfect. But Pizzazz has the lowdown on Jaws, too. And more Sean Cassidy picks than his mother. It's sensational. Sensational but not perfect. How about Pizzazz's Goofy Guide to TV? It's wild look at sci-fi movies. It's games, puzzles, comics. What could be more perfect? Me on the cover, not the Hulk. Pizzazz, the almost perfect new monthly from the -the off-the-wall gang at Marvel Comics. Hey, we're back. It's BK on the air here on AM 1450 and 100.3 FM WBHF. Weren't we just talking about cast iron skillets? Yep. My dad, (laughs) may he rest in peace, was a great cook too along with my mom and my dad would make, would make a pan of cornbread and it was it was a special recipe that he would make from time to time called apple butter cornbread and he would make he would put the cornbread together put it in a cast iron skillet put it in the oven bake it but when, when the cornbread was about 10 5 to 10 minutes away from being done he'd pull it out cut the top layer off take it off spread apple butter into it put it back on to put the top that he cut off back on, put it back in there for another five minutes and let it bake five to ten minutes and then pull it out. Oh man, are you you kidding Guys, me? Guys, if, if we were on video, <laughs> hey, put a bib on there, man. Put your lobster bib on over there. Your GK's eyes rolled into the back of his head, and I do believe there was a line of drool like Pavlov's dogs right now. I mean, Homer Simpson. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> I've been hungry since this morning. You yeah, know, I didn't too. eat breakfast. I had a cup of coffee this morning. I'm, I'm going to eat a really good lunch day. I get the last news. Last. Oh, 
Comic book related from UPI. An auction house said a Marvel Comics page featured the first appearance of Spider-Man's iconic black costume sold for a record-breaking $3.36 million no, wait last a minute. week. What? Wait a second. Because I have a comic book issue of him wearing his black costume well, for the no, first time. Well, this is the original artwork page from, oh, from the artist. Oh, that Heritage it. Auction said the original artwork by Mike Zeck, a, a very prominent comic book artist, which whose work I love, which became uh, page 25 of The Secret Wars number 8 in 1984, the story Secret Wars, which Marvel's putting together, uh, MCU's putting together an adaptation of that soon, is now the world's most valuable page of an original comic book artwork after being auctioned for $3.36 million. The page features the first appearance of Spider-Man's black costume and alien symbiote who went on to form half of the villain and sometimes anti-hero Venom that we all know. They, he didn't have a name back then. He was just a, an alien that got on Spider-Man and he didn't know what it was. All he knew is he was powerful with it on and he could do things and he, well, he just looked let's, weird. Well, let's remember they initially wanted to change the costume. They yes. thought it'd be cool and hip and so they created they this to make idea. It permanent. And people hated it. No matter how long they try to drag yeah. it out, so like, okay, how do we fix this? Okay, we, it's an alien now, and it's going to take on its own identity, right. and he's got to fight. Okay, you dug yourself well, out of that one, new Coke. We could not be happier, quote, especially for our co-signer who bought the art in the late 80s and treasured these pages ever since. Joe Marinino from Heritage Auction, the New York director of comic and comic art, said in a news release, The results prove what we've been saying all along. Comic book art is as beloved and valuable as anything you can put on canvas. And he's true. He's right. Comic book art is an art form on its own. Heritage and uh, said Spider-Man already was the star of the most expensive comic book ever sold after a copy of Amazing Fantasy number 15, which is Spider-Man's first appearance. It wasn't a Spider-Man comic book. It was Amazing Fantasy. It sold for $3.6 million last year, and we had that story, too, if you remember that, the uh, the, the Spider-Man comic. Isn't it interesting mm. that Spider-Man, uh, Batman, Superman, Captain America, they all got their start in a comic book with a different title? I think a lot of them did. They did. I'm, they didn't we, start out with their own name on their comic book. They they started I mean, in something else. It was, isn't it the same for like Wonder Woman and Submariner? Yeah, Sensation Comics, the I think, thing? is what Wonder Woman showed up like, in. All of these yeah. were sort of like introduced as sort of like standalone one-off stories. And yep. people were like, oh, that was a cool character. Hey, right. I got an idea for an entire new comic book line. Who did who did Batman show up first in? What was, what was action it? Action Comics. That was Detective. Detective Comics. Batman detective was Detective. Comics. Superman, Superman was action. Spider-Man was, Spider was Amazing Fantasy. Captain America... Showed up in um, I think I think his first comic was was Captain America, but then in Mar later on in Marvel when he was Marvel Comics, he showed up in uh, Tales of Suspense with Iron Man as a double bill, and then he eventually got his own comic name. I guess I guess I'm right on that. Never yeah, realized when I was a kid that we were reading our version of soap operas. They are they're soap operas. They really are. I mean, especially with, with... especially Spider Man. It's a teen. It is. So it's nine oh two one oh. Watch the new movies. It carries over into the new movies. That's why they're so successful. Is he lives the teen life, the young kid's life, and he's got problems, but he has the added burden of being a superhero and saving peoples in the world too. Got all that added on. I know uh, we've mentioned this before, especially when Stan Lee passed away, but I think that's why I gravitated more toward the Marvel storylines versus DC. I did love Batman because oh, yeah. Batman was one of the characters that was flawed, that did have 
problems and was trying to deal with his dual identity. Right. He wasn't a godlike being. Most DCs were grandiose characters that didn't have uh, problems paying the bills and, and personal lives. I mean, Clark Kent had a beautiful life as a reporter for the Daily Planet, loved Lois Lane, and didn't really have much of a problem in his personal life. Until later on, they caught on DC and said, started doing that, too, yeah. which was good. But you're right. Spider-Man was uh, – Peter Parker was the uh, the underdog. He's like, no, my life's not perfect at all. I, I, and I'll be honest, maybe because I was the same age when I started reading Spider-Man – his nonstop verbal lip to his and, and the snark and sarcasm. And maybe that's why I love those right. kinds of characters still to this day. Yeah. The ones who are just a little snarky. A little, Spider-Man, think, he quipped as Spider-Man, not as Peter Parker because he was a nerd. But when he became Spider-Man, right. he, would, he would taunt the villains with just talk to him. Yeah. And I think Tom Holland's version of Spider-Man has done that better than any of the other Spider-Man iterations. And they even made fun of him a little bit in Civil War when he shows up in Civil War for the first time where he's fighting the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> You're not and supposed he's to like, talk like, this much. Like, we don't really talk while we're... He's like, oh, you sorry. You have a metal arm? That is so cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's like all of his thoughts. He can't think to himself. He has to art, He has to uh, say which, them out loud. Which makes him a great character that they're all different awesome. that way, which is great. In some ways, he's <clears> a uh, a milder and a PG version of Deadpool. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Deadpool comments well, that's, nonstop. That's, that's what I always said about the DC movie. Uh, DC Comics did a movie about Shazam not too long ago, and I always thought it was actually done in a Deadpool Vain had that same kind of humor, only it was for fam the family could watch it, though. Right. There's nothing raunchy in Shazam, but it was kind of like a family-friendly Deadpool. Well, let's talk about this. Uh, he's not a superhero, but he's pretty big, and he can be a superhero sometimes. Godzilla, the big monster. Uh, I know in his first film from from, from Japan, that uh, when you saw it here in America, it had Raymond Burr in it, the American version or whatever, and that's the one I always remembered. I didn't mind that, with Raymond Burr at the window describing the carnage of, mm -hmm. of what's going on. I didn't know it was added later, uh, added later till I much later saw it as an adult and read about it the future of the monsterverse is here uh you know they do have one going on over there at legendary after godzilla versus kong hit theaters last year with a bang a new report has confirmed a tv series is gunning for the franchise apple tv plus is now working on an untitled tv show based on legendary's monsters monstrous it says franchise and it will feature godzilla as well as several other titans in it and i'm like that's 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 cool. I wonder. I don't think I, I had a doubt about this, and I'm like, well, how will that affect the movies if they keep coming out? Well, I guess they won't because even things streaming now on Netflix aren't affecting any films come out because the films, you know, uh, pandemic not you know notwithstanding and affecting it. Hopefully, they still succeed. You mm -hmm. know, even though there's Marvel stuff on television and streaming, we still go into the theater to see the stuff too. And now Marvel's doing the genius thing of. Uh, make them all link together. It's like, you know, you had uh, Daredevil as Charlie Cox's Daredevil on Netflix, which is a fantastic show, which, by the way, is back in the top ten because people are going back to watch Daredevil now that did not see it. And it's its good. ratings on Netflix you are know going what? through the roof. Now I'm mad at myself for wasting an hour. I should have gone back and just I, – I was guaranteed three seasons in a row of nonstop fun to go <laughs> right, rewatch Daredevil. Daredevil. Yeah. And him showing up in Spider-Man No Way Home. Charlie, not Daredevil, but Charlie Cox, the, the lawyer. But the shows fact up. that it's the actor, that's, but it's that him. makes me happy. And the people that were wondering are like, well, is Daredevil canon with the MCU? I'm like, why was that ever a question? It always was canon. Because when they would refer to the attack in New York or whatever, right. they'd talk about what was, what was happening. I'm like, of course it is. They're like, is this Kingpin and Hawkeye the same one in Daredevil? I'm like, yes, quit asking the question. He's well, the same actor. He is the same. Kingpin is the same guy. I, I think that helps that they kept the actor. That's the most yeah. important thing. Because they could oh, have yeah. recast either of these and kept the same character but I love the fact they kept the same actor. Right. 
So we've got we've I, got that. Which I is can't right, even wait to, to see that. how many crossovers Daredevil will have because I'm not even sure when he'll have a standalone because everything I heard is Charlie Cox has been filming like in multiple yeah. projects, like literally crossing yeah. over multiple places. And I'm thinking he's probably going to show up in the multiverse of madness with Doctor Strange. I don't know who's there's so many rumors floating around about that movie. And now I've understood I understand that they they're finished with their. Uh, their, their reshoots and their cameos and other things that they were doing later. And uh, let me tell everybody, if you're worried about a movie, if you're like, oh, that movie's having, they're going back and doing reshoots. Oh, no, that's gonna it's going to suck. I'm like, almost every movie that's made has reshoots, I understand. I, I've heard that from several people in the, in the film world. You know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, I mean, that's that. not a guaranteed bad or no. good thing. A lot of times, you know what it is? You've got such a spectacle that when they start cutting it together, they realize they're missing something to help make it make more sense, or right. they shot from the wrong angle. Right. Like, this doesn't... This, we didn't know what they were going to do with the CG artist. We need, we, a, we're, we we need a close-up of you that we didn't get in the right. shot. Let's do that or whatever. Sometimes... Hey, Jaws had reshoots. <laughs> Jaws had a lot of stuff going against it. One that we found out, that I just but read about succeeded. recently, he wasn't authorized to do, and he did it anyway. The whole head popping out of the boat scene. Filmed in a pool. <laughs> Basically, they LA. borrowed, I'm putting in air quotes, <laughs> right. a camera from Universal. Oh, wow. They got yeah. Joe Alves. They're like, hey, you mind working off the clock for a little bit? This isn't sanctioned. This isn't blessed by Hollywood. You're not under a contract. Right. Well, right. we're going to shoot in Verna Field's pool? Okay. You know what I've told? You know what I would have told Joe Alves if he did that at the time? Mm-hmm. I would have kind of said, if I could see it in the future, I'd be like, hey, Joe, if you want to help me out with the rest of this movie, Promise me that you will never direct a sequel to Jaws. Don't ever go back and direct a sequel. Because <laughs> Joe directed Jaws 3D. Oh, that's if I'm right. not mistaken. I'm you like, know what? No. One of the cool things terrible. is I learned that Spielberg, it still was a $6,000 shoot to hire the people oh, and have really? everything to get yeah. the, the special effects crew to build the hull that they needed to yeah. do. And but Ben's he paid head. everybody out of his pocket, kept it off See, the books. That's something else. And they had to make the pool uh, water murky so it looked like the ocean, too, and everything. Milk in her pool. <laughs> Milk in her pool. You know what? <laughs> when you're when you're working that hard to do a film, that's proof that, that it's it, this could turn out great because there's a lot of heart but and hard work in this. There's film. an example. Six months after he had finished principal photography, he's in the editing suite and goes, "This isn't working. The shot didn't work. Right. We need to reshoot it." There's nothing wrong with reshoots in a lot of cases. We'll talk about the Predator settling a copyright suit with Disney when we come back. Uh, Chris, uh, Christmas movie gets a sequel and a lot more cool stuff coming up. i got a garage door story, too, coming up. Remind me to tell you that one. After these messages, we'll be right back. Get a little closer. Closer. Now don't be shy. Closer. You can get. A little closer with Arid Extra Dry. Only Arid has this patent on an aluminum chlorhydrate formula. It fights wetness, and no leading deodorant spray stops odor better. Get a little closer with Arid Extra Dry. Arid fights wetness. No leading deodorant spray stops odor better. There's a secret. Where's the secret? Secrets at your fingertips. It's Arthur Treacher's Fish and Chips. How do we make the meal you can't make at home? What makes our fish fillets so crunchy? Are chips like french fries outside and baked inside? We'll never tell. There's a secret here tonight. Real good secret here tonight. Clap your hands and smack your lips for Arthur Treacher's original fish and chips. Stand by to receive our transmission. 
back. It's BK on the air. Hello, everybody. There's no channel Star Wars, Star Wars Extra today, so we'll throw a little bit in right now. We're both still watching The Book of Boba Fett. I'm one one episode behind. I haven't seen the new one for this week, but I will see it today. Things happen during the week that I can't see it on on a weekday within a time frame. And I, I, it's another one of those shows that I watch with my significant other. We, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a regular thing that we like to do together, and we make time to watch it together. And that's. We don't go off and just watch watch it without the other all willy-nilly like that. So I'm going to watch it today. I'm looking forward to the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I know that next week when Star Wars Extra returns, they always have your updates on that. And uh, Alan was telling me about how much they're spending on the Lord of the Rings series coming out on, uh, did you say it was Amazon Prime? It's going to be Amazon and, and yeah, Amazon Prime. They're spending a lot of money on that series. And I also understand, I told you, I heard that they were spending Game of Thrones money on Obi-Wan Kenobi. So that's 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 good to hear in a way that it's going to, they're not going to cheapen out on anything. So that's I'm really looking forward to that. I've been looking forward to that since the announcement of the show. If you haven't, if you're a fan of Lord of the Rings, they did release finally to go along with it, sort of a teaser. They actually, if you go to Amazon, you can say you can go to the season, and it says watch all the episodes. And there's only episode zero, which is just the the teaser oh, yeah. really? of a, of the name. They finally have released what the name of the show is going to be called. It's going to be called Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, and that's, that's the name of the show. It's just called The Rings of Power. And it really is, it's a newer actress who's basically saying that the Dark Lord, Sauron, if you all remember from The Lord of the Rings, uh, created three rings for the elves, and then seven for the dwarf lords, and nine for the rings of men. And then, but he created one all one ring they didn't know about. And you hear that voiceover while you see um, molten lava poured into what looks like a wooden mold. And then all is of a sudden. A, is it a mood ring? It's not a mood ring. Oh, okay. Water pours over this molten lava, right, and cools it. And then as it pulls back, it's the title, The Rings of Power, is what it spells out. So it was really a teaser for the name, but it lets you realize they're they're, they're planting those seeds. Get ready for when it drops. I think later this, I think this fall. I think it opens this fall. At least they satisfied your Lord of the Rings taste buds a little bit, at least with that. They've got got the appetite whetted, yes. Well, another trailer came out this week uh, that I thought was interesting. It's MCU. It's Moon Knight. That right. trailer was released with Oscar Oscar Isaac's yes, it's, playing. Yes, it's our Moon version Knight. of Batman. Yes, it is. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Except this character, Moon Knight, with Marvel, they took it a little another direction. Uh, you might, you some might say, if the character Bruce Wayne existed in society, really, really, and most superheroes would be considered this, with the way he is about his parents and he's obsessed with being a superhero, they would go. He's got some mental problems. There could be this a- way he's dealing with his parents' death. Well. I understand that you know, Moon Knight takes it a step further. He's uh, kind of schizophrenic and hears voices and stuff, and he's very off-balance, but he's still a superhero. And that's that's another character from Marvel that I know next to nothing about. So it's just one of those where... And I think that they might be doing this on purpose. They're, they're going, they're making, they made the Eternals. They made Shang-Chi. They've made the Guardians of the Galaxy. Now they're doing Moon Knight. They're taking characters that are not household names. Mm-hmm. They're taking characters that even the general public, even some of us that know about heroes. But, you know, if you make a Spider-Man movie, you know what to expect. You know Spider-Man. A lot of people are familiar with him. If you make a Superman movie, people are like, okay, it's Clark Kent. He works for the Daily Planet. He's from Krypton, blah, blah, blah. We know the story. But they're taking ones that people don't know very little or hardly anything about and making them. And I think they're at advantage with that because they can introduce you to these uh, characters and you don't know what to expect. So 
the the Moon Knight trailer looked interesting. Again, it's MCU. I mean, they could make a show called Brussels Sprout Man, and I'd go, okay. Well, well if the MCU is making it, I will give it a shot. No, but this is not a movie. This is a it's a series on on Disney Plus. So yeah, they could, what, But my point was, MCU could do anything. They're like, oh, we're making a TV series or a movie about any of that, and I would be interested. In I missed. It. Do you know when that debuts? Is it? I think it's still a couple of months away. Okay, maybe two or three months away. I have to double check and see. But yeah, it's uh, Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac, who played uh, Poe po in Dameron. the Star Wars movies, uh, is in that. He also. I keep forgetting. Mark, this is not Oscar Isaac's first uh, trip into the Marvel universe. He he, he portrayed Apocalypse and X Men. Apocalypse. Uh, he was. Uh, and I I really liked that one too. By the way, it was a uh, kind of like the third X Men film in a string of three that i that i did like but let's continue the movie talk here i have a story here before i get to other stuff from screencrush.com you and i are let's say that we're fans of the predator movie series mm-hmm. okay some of them not as good as the others you know you know they mix aliens with it and they, they kind of mess that up here and there i was one of those rare guys that actually i love predator the first film uh, director John McTiernan directed it. Very Fantastic diversified movie. director. He directed Predator. He directed Die Hard. He directed The Thomas Crown Affair. He directed uh, Medicine Man with Sean Connery. He's a very broad-based director, talented guy. Predator 2 was okay with Danny Glover when Predator was lost. It was a Predator in Los Angeles killing I appreciated people. the fact they didn't just it was, reshoot it in the jungle. They didn't, and but they did reference what happened in the jungle with Arnold Schwarzenegger, so mm-hmm. it, is, it was a sequel. I think, I can't remember, Stephen Hopkins... Hawkins, Hopkins directed it. And then pre- the third Predator film, I'm a big fan of that one too, called Predators with uh, it was a British actor, a- Aiden Brody. Aiden Brody. Aiden Brody is in that one. Um, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, I think, has a cameo in it. Uh, it's where a lot of criminals are taken from Earth and dropped on the Predator planet. And then it's kind of an opposite thing. And then they hunt them with Predator dogs, you know, on their planet. I thought it was a very well done predator film but the the first aliens versus predator i thought was an entertaining movie i actually did like it even though they they, they messed up on a couple of things with the story and then alien versus predator requiem the, the, the last one they did was just terrible i have not seen the there predator. were no good let's be clear there are no good alien versus predator movies i can I, if you want to say that that's true even though i thought the first one was okay but if i Horrifying. never saw them again I, I don't care my brothers and i we were so excited no. we went to the theater we looked at each other and we were like that's it that's that's what we just sat through. That's, yeah. Well, okay. Bye. Um, now the Predator, the movie, the, the movie, the Predator that came out just two or three years ago was Shane Black, the guy that directed Iron Man three. He directed a movie called The Predator, and let's, uh, Shane Black was in Predator. He was mm-hmm. one of the army guys, actor. I haven't seen that one. I need to watch that one. I've heard that it's not that great, but then again, I want to watch it just to make certain that right. I that I form my own opinion. Well, this is from Screen Crush. Dot com. The copyright lawsuit between the screenwriters of the 1987 movie Predator and Disney's 20th Century Studios, because, you know, they bought them, has come to an end. And I wasn't very familiar with this. Brothers John and Jim Thomas and Disney have agreed to a confidential settlement in order to drop the lawsuit over rights to the script. Quote, all the parties voluntarily dismissed their claims following an amicable resolution of the matters, matters in dispute, said Mark Toberoff, who represents the brothers. However, the details of this deal remain under wraps. I'll take a break. I'll do the rest of the story when we come back. And plus, I've got uh, some other things I want to talk about. Um, 
But yeah, Predator, when I saw the first film, I think I went back and saw it twice in the theater because I just thought it was so entertaining it's and well done. It's still the best. It is the best. It's so good that even with all the flawed sequels, I still like it. They could never would have they never would have had to make another Predator film and I would have been happy. If, especially if like are you, are you gonna make good sequels or bad ones? If you're gonna make bad ones, just don't make any more. Just don't make any more. Just don't even do it. But the, yeah, twentieth century Fox is now twentieth century studios. BK on the air. Over here. Please, we can kill it. If you want to win the game, you gotta take a good aim and get the most marbles with your hippo. Playing Hungry Hungry Hippos. Hungry Hungry Hippos. Hungry Hungry Hippos is the name of the game, and whosoever hippo gets the most marbles wins. Playing Hungry Hungry Hippos. Hungry Hungry Hippos. I win. Hungry Hungry Hippos from Hasbro. It's a little bit better day, America, since Mr. Coffee came along. Mr. Coffee has changed the way America makes coffee. Brews it perfectly, the best I've ever tasted, and brews it faster than any other coffee maker. You make coffee better than coffee was, and it's only because Mr. Coffee came along. There's only one Mr. Coffee. If you think some of today's passes have been exciting, wait till you see the plays made for me on WKRP in Cincinnati. Tomorrow at 8, 7 Central and Mountain. This is CBS. back. It's BK on the air here. I want to let you know that when we get done with the show, BK on the air, I turn it into a podcast. You can hear it out there on YouTube, SoundCloud. You can go to Anchor and Spotify and listen to the BK on the air uh, podcast. I augment it and put some bionic parts on it and take out all the commercials and add in a lot of classic commercials uh, from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, sometimes the 80s, and special effects and sound effects, and just kind of pump it up a little bit, make it the George Lucas special editions, only they're really good instead of those, but uh, I do want to remind you that Flashback Cinema, uh, you can see some classic movies back in the theater, starting, uh, to, uh, I think it's tomorrow, January the 23rd, yeah, and Wednesday, January the 26th, Labyrinth. Uh, will be back in the film uh, in the in the theater. Muppets creator Jim Henson directed this musical fantasy about a teenage girl, Jennifer Connelly, who must enter the mythical world of the labyrinth to rescue her kidnapped baby brother. Also stars David Bowie as the Goblin King. So you can check out Labyrinth from 1986. And Gone with the Wind fans, Sunday, January uh, the 30th, and Wednesday, February the 2nd, you can catch. Scarlett O'Hara herself, the original Gone with the Wind, will be back in theaters as well. So two classic films you can see back in the theater, thank goodness, because sometimes it's fun to go see classic films. With or without a disclaimer. Yes, from <laughs> flashbackcinema.net. I'm probably not going to be going to see either one of those because I didn't care for that Labyrinth, Labyrinth movie that much. And, and don't kill me, but I'm not a big lover of Gone with the Wind either. It's a classic film by Victor Can't Fleming. I know that, but make my way through it's it. just... Uh, it's just not one of those. I'd rather rub glass into my eyes. And now, uh, I don't know if I want to be that drastic, but... <laughs> that would be more fun. <laughs> that makes you want to burn Atlanta, doesn't it? You'd rather do that than see Gone with the Best Wind. Best scene in the movie. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Theater. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> burn it. 
Burn the back out of the studio. Not spoken like a Falcons brave Georgia fan over there. What's the matter with you saying hey. stuff like that? I want to continue the story from uh, the Predator story and the lawsuit that we were talking about before we went to the break about uh, Disney settling a lawsuit with the Predator screenwriters. The script uh, for the uh, – I already said that. Oh, according to the U.S. Copyright Act, authors can reclaim their ownership rights after a certain number of years when it comes to cases like this, typically 35 years for newer works. However, if a script is made for hire – the studio is considered to be the legal author. Just hours after the brothers filed their lawsuit on Predator, Disney responded with one of their own, claiming that the copyright termination notice sought to prematurely cut off its rights. This was uh, especially timely considering 20th Century Studios is working on a reboot of the Predator franchise supposedly called Skulls. So they're actually still wanting to do another, I don't know if it's a movie or a streaming series. So okay. they're still beating that dead Predator horse. Let's go to, let's just put Predator in school and we'll just have a teen drama with Predators. <laughs> Predator and. Do you know how hard it was in school today? I had to chase that human down and like he just kept dodging me. I'm like, oh, oh. I got something stuck in like my twelve teeth and fangs, and I couldn't get it out. Uh, I had to go to this hygiene week. class to learn how to clean my mandibles. Predator goes to the dentist, <laughs> so and the dentist is like, ah! <laughs> "Say ah!" Now that the parties have settled out of court, <laughs> Disney can move forward with its prequelish reboot, Title Skull, which is directed by Dan Trackenberg. I don't think I've ever Trackenberg. I've never heard of that director. So. Thank goodness the Predator lawsuit is over. Now, right now, I'm going to give a personal opinion that may not be popular, or it may be the Predator franchise and the Alien franchise, to me, right now, is kind of dead. If they if they can't find some other thing to do with it, what they've been doing recently, especially with Ridley Scott movies they've been making, I am not really into seeing any more from either one of those camps unless they do something entertaining. Now, we reported right. last week that there's an Alien television streaming series on the way. We'll see how that goes, but it's just going to be... Uh, it, they just have been very disappointing over the past few years from both those camps. And they're both 20th Century... They were both 20th Century Fox right. productions. I I was so disappointed with the two updated Ridley Scott returning to that in universe. I just was like, beautifully shot. Beautifully directed. Very well made. dumb. Not even worth watching. And like, you know you what? Get done, you, you're like, why did I sit through this? You know what added insult to injury and what took that, you know, like how you how you get a, you have a wound and you just pour salt in it, you know, yeah. or whatever, just makes it worse, is it was made by Ridley Scott. I know. He's the guy that started the whole thing in 1979. And there's he's another director with me that's hit or miss. I like a lot of his movies, but I think I dislike more than I like of it's his It's probably 50-50 really for me yeah, now. Yeah, something like that. Loved Alien. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I loved Blade Runner. And one would argue the uh, you know Blade Runner was was a cinematographer's movie, and that, that could be true. Still gorgeous still, to this day. Still the director's you know vision. And uh, I really loved Gladiator. I thought Gladiator is another one of his better films. I just haven't liked a lot of Heaven and Earth. Was that uh, was that the one about the the, the Knights the, Templar with uh, yeah, like the first Liam Crusade Neeson or something? something. Uh, yeah, I thought it was it was pretty good. I mean, I I, I thought it was good. But it was nowhere near on the caliber of the other things he's done. Uh, with other stuff with him, hit or miss. I mean, Thelma Louise, I could give her, I could take See, her. I really like that. Um, I was like, oh, that's neat. You're actually doing Jane something. with Demi Moore. You know, it wasn't horrible. Um, no, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't what I expect from him. Uh, what like, else? I, I would Legend say, with Tom Cruise, probably uh, the, the movie that was shot on a soundstage and looks like it. It was just overblown, overproduced movie. Uh, Tim Curry was great as the the, the, the demon in that, though. Uh, Darkness was his name. Tim probably the, fir- the most recent in, like, the, let's say the last 10 years of Ridley Scott that I just thought was really good was The Martian. 
with Matt yeah, Damon. Yeah, it was. It was again. It, it was better than what he had done. Not too. It was long, well right? directed. Yeah. It was well yeah. acted. I was interested. I was invested. It was a much, good movie. Much better than the last two Alien films. Yes. Yet consider alien let's do a little on this day in history while we've got some time here on this day uh, january 22nd 1947 the first commercial tv station west of the mississippi opens in hollywood california on this day in history in 1947 when do you see how far we've come from that to later things that happened on this day in history today in 1968 on nbc rowan and martin's laugh-in premiered <laughs> and everyone got introduced to goldie hawn for the first time on, on Laugh-In. Funny show, very dated at the time, but it's funny. Uh, 1968, on this day in history, Apollo Lunar Module is launched to the moon, and it's an unmanned lunar module. Tests were made. They were just getting ready to head toward the moon in 1968 and making more decisions. Number one at the box office on this day in 1982, and we do that because 1982 is 40 years ago. A movie called Absence of Malice with Paul Newman and Sally Field was number one at the box office. I think I may have seen that once, and I can't even remember what it is i think it's a courtroom drama over a newspaper or something like that but you've heard of that you heard that i've movie? heard the title never saw the movie never saw that movie I, th- I saw it but i think i forgot about it 1994 we lost somebody on this day in 1984 1994 and he had a usually had a lollipop in his mouth and he said who loves you baby that would be telly savalas jack telly savalas passed away on this day Uh, On this day in history, 2002, the Kmart Corporation becomes the largest retailer in the United States to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. Man, how far has Kmart and Sears went from the top of the heap to virtually being gone and out of existence? Yeah, Sears owned the 20th century. They did. I mean, but they could not a, adapt to the new 21st century models. There was and, a time where going to Sears was a big deal. We're going to Sears? Mm-hmm. All right. Putting on my suit. <laughs> I don't know if it was quite like that. Let's but. go. Sears used to have a little section in there. Their toy section was called the Toy Box at Sears. And I used to beeline straight for it just to check out and see what they had. In 2012, we lost somebody. And just to give you a little sample of who we lost in 2012 who passed away, here's a little sample. Let me see if Alan can guess who this is. Take a bath with Mr. Bubble. He'll get you so clean your mother won't know you. And Mr. Bubble leaves no bathtub ring. Did that did that voice sound familiar to you? Oh, you meant the voice. I was like, oh, Mr. Bubble. No, 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 Mr. Bubble. Mr. Bubble's still alive. We can't have, <laughs> we can't take bubble baths anymore. That voice, though, right there, he passed away in 2012. But he's a very iconic voice actor, and I played that because the other thing he's known for, it would give it away just like that. That it was, sounded familiar. That was Richard Dick Tuffeld. He's the American voice actor that did the robot's voice for Lost in Space, the original series. And he did a whole lot. He did the Sunday night Disney, Wonderful World of Disney announcer on that. You'd recognize him. I would have never known his name, but I knew what the character's voice was. that's him in that Mr. Bubble commercial from (laughs) way back when. Uh, In 2018, on this day in history, January the 27th, uh, 22nd, Netflix becomes the largest digital media and entertainment company in the world in 2018 with a net worth of 100 billion dollars they're doing all right reached a milestone although did you see uh stocks took a tumble friday because netflix announced that that they weren't going to make their targets that hit a that was a huge loss i think they'll recover from it but that was terrible I mean, stockholders were like, oh, don't jump. Don't jump off the cl- off the ledge. Don't yeah. do it. Yeah, most people are like, well, I guess that correction's still coming. <laughs> Probably. 
My stocks be corrected, as Mr. Grady said, and down sh- about and, uh, half shiny. of what they were a year ago. Birthdays today include Piper Laurie, actress. Uh, she was in Twin Peaks. Carrie, the hustler, very great actress. Today is Bill Bixby's birthday. American actor, director, producer, The Incredible Hulk, My Favorite Martian, uh, Courtship of Eddie's Father. Uh, he was born in San Francisco. He died in 1993. Uh, today is uh, a Harry Potter actor's birthday, who was also in Ridley Scott's Alien that we just mentioned earlier. John Hurt. John Hurt's birthday is today. Jeez. Uh, Harry Potter, Elephant Man, Alien, Midnight Express. Uh, name the guy's catalog is huge. Born in Chesterfield, England. He was he died in 2017. I forgot that he just died just a few years ago. Today is John Wesley Shipp's birthday. American actor from Dawson's Creek, One Life to Live. And he also played The Flash on CBS, the first Flash television series uh, that DC did back in the early 90s, I think. With uh, He played uh, Barry Allen in The Flash. John Wesley Shipp. Nice guy. Today is, uh, well, at least the ex-lead vocalist for Journey, Steve Perry's birthday, is today. You know, when he came out with that song, uh, Oh Sherry, mm-hmm. right after he'd left Journey, I thought it was a pretty good song. It was very catchy back then. It's probably my favorite solo song from him. You know, That's the about the only song about. that came out of that album that uh, was worth uh, listening to. Uh, there was another one, uh, Foolish Heart. He had another song. That he, he That's a Journey with. song. Is it? I thought that was a, thought that was a Steve Heart. Perry song. Well, sung by Steve. I'll Perry. have to look it up. Well, that, that, well, that doesn't mean it's a Journey song. <laughs> no, it's you know a Journey song. Foolish Heart. We'll have to check that out because I thought it was a Steve Perry solo song. Today is the birthday of the lady who can turn her head around 360 degrees. Linda Blair hey, from happy The Exorcist. Birthday. It's her uh, birthday today, and uh, we'll celebrate a future birthday, January 22nd in the year 2179. That's Mr. Sulu's birthday from Star Trek. <laughs> He was born in San Francisco, California, as we learned from Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. So happy birthday in the future to Mr. Sulu. Uh, uh, We lost Meatloaf this week, uh, Louie Anderson, comedian, and uh, another comedian, Bob Saget. Rest in peace this week. So be down there. We'll have another uh, anniversary when we come back. It will only happen once. Witness the creation The Flash, premiering Thursday. Okay, Pop, now it's my turn. Okay, come on. Sears has a home version of the pinball game you find in arcades and bowling alleys. So now you can have your own pinball machine right at home. New arcade pinball games from Sears. Not toy pinball, they're real pinball machines. New arcade pinball. It's what you always wished you had at home. Sold only at Sears. Now, back to a guy who thinks William Shatner deserves an Academy Award. It's BK on the air. Ever wonder what chickens do when you're not looking? 
cover up. No chicken escapes from Tweedy's farm. You've got to get out of here. attempt was a bit of a fiasco. These chickens are planning a little getaway. The plan is we go over the wire. Uh. That might work. Now they may have found their only hope. Thank you ladies and gentlemen. You've been a wonderful audience. <laughs> the name's Rocky. And what brings you to England? Why? All the beautiful English chicks, of course. Pushy Americans. Hi, how are you? Overpaid, oversexed, and over here. Which bunk is mine? What is it? It's a pie machine. Chickens go in, pies come out. Ooh, what kind of pies? We're all going to fly over that fence, and Mr. Rhodes is going to show us how. Did you say fly? Rocky! I'm coming! From the Academy Award-winning creators of Wallace and Gromit. Rocky! I'll be down before you can say mixed vegetables! Dare to dream. It's a better place out there. And get ready to fly. of an emergency, put your head between your knees and kiss your bum goodbye. Chicken run. We mustn't panic. We mustn't panic. How about a little chicken run there, Charlie? Oh, you have just reawakened Which is great. in me. Uh, I need to rewatch that. It has been too long. It's such a fun movie. You need to go back and rewatch the Wallace and Grummet uh, shorts too. They were they were fantastic. I first saw them on the first one on PBS because they're like, we're going to show tonight a special short claymation film that won an Academy Award. I'm like, what is this? You know, I started watching it. I was hooked. The comedy, the writing is so clever. It's so good. Uh, it's great. Well, the reason I played that is because TheVerge.com and several places on the internet are reporting Netflix's Chicken Run sequel will be a three-piece family deal. <laughs> Three piece After chicken years dinner. of Chicken Run's fans wondering whether the stop-motion classic would ever be back for a sequel, Netflix finally answered last summer with a resounding yes, but the tight-lipped about the key details, like all who might be coming back to reprise their roles and who might not, and other details. Though we're still a ways out from director Sam Fell's. Here's the title. You ready for the title for this one? Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget is the name <laughs> of this film, which is funny in itself. The premiere, Netflix has just shared a, a whole plethora of new information about the sequel, along with our first look, sort of, of the movie's central hero. Set sometime after the first film, Dawn of the Nugget finds Ginger and Rocky uh, settling into new lives on an idyllic island completely devoid of humans where they feel safe enough to finally start a family. Though the chickens are delighted by the birth of uh, the daughter Molly, the young chick's wanderlust soon puts her at odds with her parents, don't they always? After her curiosity about the mainland is piqued by rumors about the dangerous things that happen there. Mm. Isn't it, doesn't that always happen to teenagers? It's almost, da oh, it's danger. I'm like a moth to a flame. Let's go find out what that is. Most, some of them, not all of them. 
Now, along with the Chicken Run news, Netflix also announced that it's moving forward with another Wallace and Gromit feature, co-directed by Wallace and Gromit director Nick Park and Merlin Crossingham. A press release about the currently unnamed Wallace and Gromit movie describes its story as focusing on what happens when Wallace's latest invention, a smart gnome, Smart Gnome, G-N-O-M-E, seems to gain intelligence and begins wrecking havoc upon its creators and Gromit's quiet lives. While there are currently no details on when to expect the next Wallace and Gromit feature, Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget, is slated to hit Netflix in 2023. I think that's a great that's title great. for that. Love Are they talking about chicken nuggets? Probably so. 770-386-1450 is our number. Oh, somebody's on the line right now. Hello, it's BK on there. Hello. Hello. Hello, Derek. But no, which one of you said that Foolish Heart was a uh, Journey song? That would have been me. Alan said it. I said it was a Steve Perry song. We know that it now. We know it's a I Steve I didn't know Perry there song. was another song worth listening to by Steve Perry's solo Alan? album. Yeah. Alan. Yeah. You get points from me and then you take them away. Okay. <laughs> so I, so I, I break even. So you're back right where you started. It's kind of like you're, my life. What, what is wrong with you? I still love you. I don't buy albums. Okay. <laughs> now, is that the only reason you called? Was to, I made him giggle. To correct our Steve Perry faux pas, is that the only reason you called? There were several reasons, but I forgot. Oh, you forgot. Oh, well, that's what oh, happens when you get old. See, he's not used to me making this many mistakes. You, he's like, God. <laughs> but for me, just he had to call me for this. me, yeah. Yes, for Barry, I expected from Alan... <laughs> Not so much. I know. Okay, part of the so show. So when I screw up, boy, do I screw up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Alan, well, this may have been in Alan's show. I can't remember. They blend together for me now. No, they mind meld, yeah. In Alan's show, they, he brought up Warrior Nun. Yeah, Warrior Nun on Netflix. Oh, yeah, he told me it was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. Now, uh, Barry, you have not seen that? I have not seen it, but now I guess I might ought to watch it. What's wrong with you? Well, I haven't heard of it. I didn't, I didn't hear no, it. Eric, in fairness, I hadn't heard of it either Neither until one I of spent a marathon hour <laughs> of searching. <laughs> right. But, okay, but, okay, at least you found it. I did find it. Yeah. Barry? Yes? Go home. <laughs> well, I can't go now. yet. Don't come back. Don't, don't come back until you watch the show. Well, I won't be back for a week anyway, so that's okay. <laughs> well, you it. heard, Barry? and I don't, know, I don't know if you knew it when you watched it, Eric, but they made a big point of at the very last end of the of the first season, a little title card comes up and it says "renewed for a for season two. So we are going to get wow. another season of uh, of Warrior Nun. Well, there is another stream, there is another streaming show in the works, Eric, that I was going to tell you about that you need to see. You want me to tell you what it is? What? It's a streaming show based on killer clowns from outer space. They're doing the show. You're going to watch that one. Crickets. I hear crickets. <laughs> You're on the phone. You have to talk. Can't just be silent. It doesn't work on radio. Okay. I'll send you the link to it, and I'll send you some stills from it. Okay. All right. Bye. bye. I'll be sure to send him as many photos of that as I can send him. I'm still telling you what we need to do is get uh, one of our printing companies in here to make those laminate, like the stick to the window <laughs> right, yeah. of all these different clowns, right. and just go over his house and put them on his window. So when he opens his, drapes, like they're looking in. They're right. They're peeking in. <laughs> like they're looking in. Hi. Remember, remember, I told you uh, Commander Clark on the show from years back. Here's a here's a retro story for you, bringing up Commander Clark from years ago. It's he a always, classic corner. He always said that things that freaked him out the most were snakes, clowns, and someone looking at him through his window from the outside at night. If he, you know, if you see someone looking at you in your window, especially if you don't know who they are, that'd freak me out too. I'm like, what are you doing in my yard? Mm-hmm. But I said, well, good. So 
for in order for me to completely destroy you, I can dress up like a clown, hold a snake, and look at you through your window. Right. Would that do it? He goes, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. That would do me in for the I'm rest trying to think if there's anything life. like that. You know, when I was little, and I think it was because I watched that Project Blue Book on TV and I was getting into aliens. Right, and yeah. I always thought the most horrifying thing, and I convinced myself because we had drapes that we would pull in the in Detroit to keep the windows from letting all the heat out. So right. you would have these thick drapes. Oh, yeah. And I would swear there was something on the window, like like tapping or whatever. And I knew if I opened the drapes, it'd be the aliens sitting there trying to figure out how to get in the house. From alien. When I, no, from uh, like Close Encounters. Oh, like from the, that alien. Like okay. the oval eyes. Which and they the, weren't scary, but like they, they were going to know what they me. wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, as a kid, I oh, that was my fear. And I would just, I wouldn't open the drapes, but I, I knew, I knew if I opened the drapes, they'd be there looking in. But because I didn't, they never got in. Well, that was, that, that <laughs> fascinated me because later on I found out that Close Encounters of the Third Kind, a lot of it was filmed in Alabama, my home state. And that house that she lives in with Barry mm-hmm. and the aliens come, Barry. that house is still down there in, in Alabama. And I found it on Google Maps. It's still there. Which is fun. It's another one of those one of those houses. Back to back to being scared. Clouds never bothered me. I never no, had a problem. I with get clouds. why they're creepy. Yeah, I mean, but, I, why? I mean, there are creepy looking clowns. There are scary looking ones, but they're not all that. that they don't just generally scare me. Just like a clown makeup, like a, a nice clown at the circus. Yeah, I liked him. I thought it was good. I mean, Roger Moore doesn't bother me. No, <laughs> an octopus. You no, know, you're right. He's a pretty good clown. So it was a whole clown thing. Speaking of there, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I've got some more stories, another thing to remember, and a garage story when we come back. Why buy just a video game from Atari or Intellivision? Invest in the wonder computer of the 1980s for under $300, the Commodore VIC-20. Unlike games, it has a real computer keyboard. With the Commodore VIC-20, the whole family can learn computing at home. Plays great games, too. Under $300, the wonder computer of the 1980s, the Commodore VIC-20. Coming soon, Commodore brings you Gorf, the Wonder Arcade game, and Omega Race in home versions. Commodore. Come on, you guys. The sun's already up. It's going to be a golden day. Let's eat. Oh, those golden Grahams. Oh, those golden Grahams. Crispy, crunchy Graham cereal family breakfast treat. Oh, those golden Grahams. Oh, those golden Grahams. Golden honey, just a touch. It's a great tasting part of a complete breakfast for the whole family. Try those golden grains and have a golden day. Hey, we're back. It's BK on the air. I'm glad you joined us. We've got another uh, kind of a... On this day in history, it's not on this day in history, but on this week in history, special show that's near and dear to my heart. January the 18th, this past week in 1974, the Six Million Dollar Man premiered on television one of my favorite television shows as a kid and i still that's one i can go back and watch sometimes it was a well-written show well done well a very good awesome sci-fi premise for a tv show it's almost like someone said let's uh let's let's come up with a character who's bionic and half cyborg (laughs) but make him like james bond he's a secret agent too and a superhero all rolled into one which is great Uh, running from 73 to 1978 former astronaut usaf Colonel Steve Austin, portrayed by brilliantly, by the way, Lee Majors. Uh, I want to tell you a little trivia about the Six Million Dollar Man, which I found out much later, and I had no idea this was this was the case. There's a lot of trivia about the show, but this one especially. In the opening sequence, we're all very familiar with it. Steve Austin, astronaut, a man barely alive. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. You know, the, mm-hmm. it's one of those iconic openings, and it shows the actual crash of a of a test pilot who 
when he said he wa- he said the guy who actually crashed in that experimental aircraft in the title sequence, he goes, he could never watch that show. Come on, he goes, I watched the Six Million Dollar Man, but I never watched the Not title the opening sequence because that's me. I hate that. Well, did you know that the opening sequence is narrated? It's two voices. It's not the same guy doing the opening narration. Here's how it goes. Steve Austin, astronaut, a man barely alive. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. We have the capability to make the world's first bionic man. Steve Austin will be that man, better than he was before, better, stronger, faster than they play the music. That original opening originally started with just... It shows the crash and him being operated on, and then the voice just goes, Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. Mm-hmm. We have the technology. They thought that didn't sound exactly right. They needed more at the beginning. So they went back in and recorded the word, uh, recorded the opening before that, Steve Austin, astronaut, a man barely alive. So the guy who says, Gentlemen, we can rebuild him, the second part of that, that's, that's uh, Richard Anderson that plays Oscar saying mm-hmm. it. The first part of that steve austin astronaut a man barely alive that's harv bennett's voice saying that part but as a kid you just hear it and you're like that's just you don't think it's two guys right but it is two now you listen to it real close you know harv bennett went on to produce the, the, the two three of the star trek films in the 80s very uh talented television producer in his own right he worked on a lot of things but yeah that's that's harv bennett and richard anderson together their voices together in the opening now the six million dollar man toy line began in 1975 with the release of the steve austin figure most doll style action figures from this era usually range between eight and 12 inches in height but Hmm. steve was a whopping 13 inches tall his he had the he was a huge action figure had the hole in the back of his head where he could see through his bionic his eye, bionic which eye, didn't yep. magnify anything. It was just looking through a hole in a glass, a little pla- plastic glass in there. He had a lever on his back that you would click to make his arm pick up the engine that, that, that came in his hand, that he could pick up that car engine. <laughs> and a lot of things went with it. They had Oscar Goldman figure. They had Maskatron. Uh, they they had the uh, the bionic laboratory you could get. They had the capsule that you could get, the, the, the NASA capsule. But it was a – I don't know if you've seen it since you were a kid, but I did watch The Six Million Dollar Man two or three years ago because it's on the NBC – the free NBC streaming channel you can get, NBC Universal. And so is The Bionic Woman. And I never watched The Bionic Woman. I need to go back and watch it because I've heard it was a great show too. Didn't I love a, The Six Million Dollar Man. It's a great show. Didn't they have a uh – Sasquatch doll to go along they with it did. too that you yeah, took off as a computer did. and, and realized it was, it was a uh, robot? Yeah, they certainly did. What's the worth of a man? For Steve Austin, it's six million dollars. Colonel Austin is in that plane. Well, I think they're gonna shoot us down. Isn't there any other way? Lee Majors is Steve Austin. Steve Austin is the six million dollar man, and he's worth every penny. Love that stuff. <laughs> I mean, if Steve, if Steve Austin's bionics malfunctioned, they played a different sound effect. His bionics were affected by certain things. One of them was cold. I think he was put in a freezer once <laughs> and unconscious. And when he woke up, he tried to open the door, and instead of going. It went. <laughs> it was like a, it was like a, like the, the sound of Falcon slowed not starting. Down. Right. Funny you <laughs> <to> say that. <laughs> I'm going to play that later. Uh, but yeah, it was it was it was a malfunctioning, and you got scared as a kid. It's like, oh no, his bionics don't work. He can't use his bionics. It's terrible. So yeah, that's kind of cool. So the Six Million Dollar Man premiered in on this week, not on this day in history, but on this week. I have a sequel story here. We teased it earlier from ScreenCrush.com. My favorite Christmas 
movie, A Christmas Story, will get a sequel starring Peter Billingsley. I saw this. Who's recently been in a lot of Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. He was in Spider-Man Far From Home, where they're, where they're stuck in London. Uh, he was in, uh, what else was he in lately? I think he was in Hawkeye. So he's he's been in a lot of stuff lately. He was in Iron Man. He was in Iron Man as the scientist trying to recreate the arc reactor. He's the one that uh, Jeff Bridges is saying Tony Stark built this in a cave. In a cave. That's Peter Billingsley. He's talking to. He doesn't have any <laughs> hair left, but it's Peter Billingsley from Christmas Story. It takes a very special movie to have such devoted audience that a television channel can run it on a loop for 24 hours straight every single Christmas. But such is the devotion of fans of A Christmas Story, which was a moderate hit at best when it first opened in theaters back in 1983, but eventually evolved into an annual holiday staple with annual marathons on cable television with TBS, TNT, airing 12 consecutive viewings each Christmas. Fan treasure the adventure of Little Ralphie, played by Peter Billingsley, who only wanted a Red Ryder air rifle for Christmas. If you ever wondered what happened to Ralphie when he grew up, you're going to find out as Billingsley is now set to return for a sequel that's being called A Christmas Story Christmas. The film will premiere on HBO Max. Now, they did do a sequel to A Christmas Story with different actors. and A different guy played the dad, different kid played Ralphie and, and the mom and everything. I can't remember. Bob Clark didn't direct it. But there was a sequel made, and it flopped. It didn't do very well. Here's the plot synopsis of this, of this one, though. The film follows an adult Ralphie Billingsley in the 70s who returns to the house on Cleveland Street to deliver his kids a magical Christmas like the one he had growing up with the same... Attention to real-life tone of the first, Ralphie reconnects with childhood friends, reconciles the passing of his old man, and sows the seed for the origin of the beloved holiday classic. Christmas Story has gotten sequels before. Like I said, in 1984, director Bob Clark, who's also who also directed original uh, Christmas Story, and I'm wrong, Bob Clark did direct it. I thought he didn't direct the sequel. Uh, he made a movie, is the, is the name of it, My Summer Story is the sequel to uh, A Christmas Story that no one has heard of, featuring a young... Uh, Kieran Culkin as Ralphie. I guess that's Cully's brother. I guess. Younger brother. In 2012, A Christmas Story 2 went straight to DVD. Nobody saw that. It was directed by Brian Levant. Still, A um, Christmas Story A Christmas Story Christmas, which is the name of this newer one, is the first follow-up to feature Peter Billingsley back in the role of who made him uh, the role that made him famous, which was Ralphie. We'll, uh, we'll know it's a hit when it gets its own uh, 24-hour Christmas marathon in a few years from now. So if they keep showing it on some channel over and over again, we'll know that it was a hit, too. And it is. It's my favorite. It's, it's become my favorite Christmas movie of all time. It's just fantastic. I love it. Now I want to share a little can we, story. Can we sing the song at the end? Which the one? Deck the Halls. Fa ra 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 Is that is that no not longer and allowed? They, and then, oh, I don't know. They still play. They don't edit it out when they show it. Thank goodness. And then they bring the duck out on the platter, uh-huh. and 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 the mother doesn't see it. But when she turns around and sees the duck and the big neck and the duck head, she goes ah! She screams. It scares her. And and the cook is like, oh okay. He takes out a big chopper and just chops the neck off, and she screams again. Which is hilarious. Great. Love that movie. What a great ending. I love that movie. (laughs) Go Um, to the Chinese restaurant. The only only place open. Let me uh, me tell you (laughs) right quick before you still have a couple minutes left. Uh, Had something something go wrong at the house this week. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, something went wrong. I went to, (laughs) I was leaving the other day. And I went to uh, I went to close the garage door. Uh-huh. I want to get out. You know, you hit your remote and Wait, you close. Wait, is this it. going back to where you were supposedly having it fixed the first time? Yeah, it kind of is connected with that. I went to close the garage door, and all of a sudden, I hear. <laughs> no, it's not want to close. Mm. So I had to stop. 
and we just spent you know a big whopping 400 bucks on getting the spring replaced and it fixed you know back about a month ago well i had to bring them back out and uh they looked at it and he goes well the technician was here before he put only one spring on there he didn't put two and if you put two springs like you had originally it's less of a strain on your on your motor of your that opener. makes sense it makes it open easier and he goes, right those are called tension springs yeah, and he goes he goes your 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 motor is kind of an old one anyway it's like 12 years old i said yeah but it still works fine mm. he goes yeah i need to put um i need to put another spring on here he goes there's no charge since he did it wrong i'll do, make it right and everything will be all right well then we find out he comes back to us and he goes well i've just went through a um a test mode and your your motor just burned out just now it's it's gone i'm like great he goes well i got a motor in the car i can put it in for 400 dollars. i'm like wait a minute the reason the motors burn out is because your technician before you didn't right. do the job right the first time which is why you gave me the spring which for is free. fine you're doing that for free yeah. so i went through uh, the whole thing with them on the phone and finally we we we, 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 we agreed upon a price to just go ahead and replace the motor because it was old. It wouldn't, might not have lasted much longer I anyway, must not but, have shopped for garage door openers in a while, but 400 oh, just for but, the well, motor? Well, no, well, no, that's that's uh, out-the-door priced, installed, everything. I mean, it's that's cool. Can't everything. you buy a brand new I from scratch know. for I have less? I no idea. I don't even know wow. anything about that. But anyway, we went ahead and That's why negotiated. they were charging you $400. They just realized, we, look at this, Patsy. We, we negotiated going to be a... Yeah. Tell you what I'm going to do. Normally eight hundred dollars, but for you today, four hundred. We negotiated. Okay. I wanted it for free because I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think I should have to pay anything. For I it. agree. Because my my motor was running before you guys came along. Well, Get we, your ne- motor we negotiated running. it down. But the problem is, he gave us a lot of freebies. He 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 gave us one with a, with an app on it. You can do it on the app. He programmed her car to open it, and he did a lot of things. He gave me a free eye. The little eye that's at the bottom too. He says, "You like need to replace your eye." Here's your free, your little eye that, oh, that connects the bottom, the, the beam that will cut. He gave me a free one of those if I ever need to replace that. But now the thing about it is, when I open the garage door now, it's like when we replaced our dishwasher. Uh, he's like, "I'm like," he goes, "Okay, let me. Here's your new dishwasher now. I'm going to turn it on for you." I'm like, "Are you going to turn it on?" He goes, "It is on." I'm like, "I can't hear it." He mm. goes, "Exactly." I'm like, "Wow." Now the garage door opener. When I opened the garage door in the car, I opened it and I was going to back out. And I'm like, "Did it open?" <laughs> I had to look in the mirror. I'm like, it's open. I'm like, I didn't hear hardly anything at all. Wow. I mean, this thing is in stealth mode. I needed one of those so. when I was trying to sneak back into the house in college. <laughs> Our garage oh, door opener was like an the excavator was going off below the house. <laughs> like there was a grater going down. Making for the Mole end. Man to come up. <laughs> I am the underminer. Like, jeez. <laughs> is Alan out making a new driveway? I'd rather it's just great. break in and leave the car in the driveway. <laughs> you needed a ladder in your, in your, in your room. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week. It's PK on the air. Give it up. Podcast Magazine presents The Hot 50 Countdown. Hi, it's Rob Actis, host of the Podcast Magazine Hot 50 Countdown. Join me as I count them down from 50 to number one. The top 50 podcasts in the land as determined by you, the podcast fans. From true crime, society and culture, self-help, health and fitness, science, and every podcast category in between. The Hot 50 Countdown is here. And don't forget to vote for BK on the Air as one of your favorite podcasts at podcastmagazine.com. A little nonsense now and then is relished by the wisest man.